Oh, thank you all for tuning in to the 463rd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, host Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you be listening, thank you for making me and this show part of your day. Whether via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Air Radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, per the new usual. Going to have a great podcast for you guys today. Going to have Ryan Ward on. Lakers reporter and writer for Lakers Nation. We had a great conversation. We talked about Kobe, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, everything Los Angeles Lakers basketball. Really enjoyed the conversation. Now, before we get to Ryan, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically if you use Spotify. I have everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp, and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at nitrate underscore lane. And subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find that I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. For some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, folks, $1,000. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. I know. Great deal, right? You should take it right now. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with the same game parlay spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Great deal. Again, should take it, folks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Ryan Ward, Lakers reporter and writer for Lakers Nation. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So the first thing I have to ask you is this. Kyrie Irving. Do you think he ends up a Laker at some point? Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, I would have said yes, maybe about two, three weeks ago. But now, I just there's just so much smoke out there. It's just hard to know where the real fire is. <laughs> um, so many reports. It's like one report happens, and then 15 minutes later, something contradicts that. And it's just going back and forth. It's almost like... Like, even the insiders don't know what the hell's going on. And they're guessing, and they're, you know, um, it's all opinion. Then people take opinion as fact, and then it's just, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure if they if they could do it, they're going to do it, right? <clears throat> I think that's their number one priority. Um, and then, obviously, getting rid of Westbrook is up there as well. But um, I just don't know. I don't know what their timetable is. I don't know if they're thinking we want to do this fast or as fast as possible or we don't mind waiting to just before training camp or, or what. But um, And then you got LeBron's contract extension looming. You know, you, get, you can make that decision. I think, it's, I think it's after August 4th or 5th. Um, so it's just, it just so much is up in the air. I think you're going to see a lot more a lot more, you know, 
rumors flying around. It's all going to be about the Pacers, and then the Nets. The Nets have kind of taken a back seat to the Pacers, it seems like, but um, I just don't. It's just so hard. I've never dealt with an offseason like this before, and I've been doing this for a long time. And the Lakers are always in rumors. They're always, you know, um, even when they're terrible, they're still, you know, in some kind of talks or they're trying to get somebody. But this is just weird, man. It's just, it just seems like nobody knows exactly what's going on. How do you kind of survey the landscape and try to figure out what reports, what rumors are kind of true and which ones have validity and which ones don't? Well, that's always tough, but I mean, you know, you got the guys that are pretty solid, you know, like uh, Woj and uh, Shams are, you know, top two. And then Chris Haynes, I would say, is right behind that. And then you got Windhorst and, and Mark Stein seem to be right underneath there. But uh, but that, then you get guys like, uh, who's the guy from the Pacers? There's some dude from the Pacers, an older guy, who's been reporting about the, the deal going back and forth, saying that... Uh, Indiana wants two first-round picks for Buddy Heald and, and Miles Turner. And I believe the guy. Because, I mean, I don't think he has any reason to lie. It's not like a young dude trying to make a name for himself. Um, but I guess they, I'm spacing on his name right now. But uh, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough because I think the more the years go by and then the more, you know, social media becomes, you know, so, so damn popular that everybody's trying to make a name for themselves. So you're going to see a lot of... It is hard to, to weed through all the crap a lot because there is a lot of crap out there. But um, I think as as it goes on, say like you know, the same rumors are going on for weeks, uh, you see certain stuff die off, and you can see kind of like a framework of what's what what certain teams want or what they're actually talking about, and um, go from there. But I mean, I mean, but the crazy things happen in the NBA. Like I think it was on a, was on a Lakers Nation spaces last night and we were talking and and somebody mentioned uh, when Kawhi signed with the Clippers and no one knew that was I mean it was rumored that that could happen but no one knew for sure because Kawhi was just tight lipped about the whole thing and then Paul George like immediately after that no one saw that coming you know that's just the craziness of the NBA now it's like it's so unpredictable even though there are rumors flying around all the time the thing that's interesting about this is it really does make sense. I mean, Kyrie Irving drama aside, the basketball makes sense. Obviously, he's played with LeBron. Uh, I think him and LeBron, I think their games actually fairly complement each other much better than Russell Westbrook's does. Do you think this is something the Lakers kind of have to get done? Because, like, is there any way they can go into the season with Westbrook? I don't think so. I think if, if they do that, then they're, they're doing it reluctantly. Um I just I don't I don't see him ever playing another minute for the Lakers. I just I just think it's it's gotten so kind of toxic now. I remember um, his excerpt interview was kind of like uh, what I thought was the last straw because he was still so defiant and so like um, it's not my fault it's yours uh, and I couldn't believe it. I was like really like it. It's not not that it was all his fault because, uh, I mean, the health issues were huge, right? I mean, if you don't have AD, who's supposed to be the, the centerpiece of the team, um, then it's not going to work. But he didn't help things at all, you know? Um, constantly butting heads with Vogel. Uh, we're hearing one thing from Vogel and another thing from him. And then um, I'm sure Vogel was lobbying for the bench role and... and Russ does not do the bench roll. <clears throat> it's just one of those weird uh, points in a, in a superstar's career where if he doesn't accept the fact he's not what he was um, or that he needs to adapt, then it becomes a disaster. You know, it becomes like Allen Iverson, you know, in Memphis. <clears throat> or Iverson still thinks he can ball, but it's just they're like, Try to give him a reality check. Like, no, no, you can't, man. You know, and then he just fades away. You know, unfortunately, fades away. Because I think, I think it's kind of it for Westbrook. Like, he's, I'm not saying he's never going to play again, but like, if he gets traded to Indiana, they, from what the reports have said, they intend to buy him out right away. And then I don't see another team.
team jumping on it. I really don't. Like, I think it'll be one of those things where like, there'll have to be, like, a major injury to a point guard somewhere, and then they'll be like, okay, yeah, let's bring him on, you know? And it, that'll kind of be the, the way the rest of his career goes, even though he still thinks he's, you know, MVP Westbrook. Why do you think he couldn't fit in with LeBron and Anthony Davis? I think it was he's so he's so um, he's been so used to being the guy, the number one guy, always having the ball in his hands in small markets, right? Like everywhere he's gone, for the most part, um, he has been the dude. Like I mean, OKC after you know Kevin Durant left, he was the guy, and I think that kind of <clears throat> that made him who he is and made him a Hall of Famer, ultimately, I think. Um, but it also kind of ruined the, the, the second half of his career because he became so convinced that, that that's the only way he can succeed. And then every time he's gotten with somebody else, he's gets bounced the next year. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a superstar bounce around the way he has, where it seems like he could still play. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I remember when Dwight started bouncing around and everybody's like, oh, well, he's done, you know? And and he kind of was, but then he accepted the fact that he was not the same guy. He's not the number one option anymore. He's a role guy. And then he goes and wins a, a title with the one team that you thought he would never go back to. Um, but it, it, Westbrook has to do that. He has to do that in order to, to continue his career. Or or it's going to end badly, you know. It's, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I really agree with you there. I think the interesting thing is, I think in terms of his game and as an actual talent, the deterioration hasn't been that bad. Like, I think he's probably a top 50-ish player. But I think in just in terms of the ability to play a role, like, he just can't do that. And I find it interesting, like, some of that term that's always used, right, it's like, be a star in your role. But I think Westbrook's idea is he wants to be the guy who has the ball in his hands. And, like, that's kind of LeBron's job. And I know he's yeah, not... It's, a- it's it's tough. That the, it's when you see him off the ball, right? And he's just standing there in one spot. Unless he's cutting, which he's actually pretty good at. I'm surprised he didn't do it more often. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the problem. <laughs> he's just standing in one spot. And then they'll pass him the ball. And then he'll do one of those things where he's... He's, you know, he's trying to cross somebody up or get around somebody, and he pops up for a jumper, and it goes off the top of the backboard. He just doesn't know how to play in that zone, you know? He, he just has no experience there, or he's just super uncomfortable. I've never seen a player. Like, I was telling my neighbor, funny enough, the other day, I was like, because he was asking me about Westbrook, and I was like, you know what he reminds me of? It's like, if you've ever played ball, you know, consistently over your life, and I've played since I was 15, and you miss, like, a considerable amount of time, like, you don't you don't shoot around for, like, I don't know, three months, right? And you go to a court, that's how you shoot, right? Like, that's, that's the kind of shooting that goes on. Like, you're hitting the side of the backboard or the top, or it just takes you a while to get back to where you were. And I was like, how is a professional basketball player who shoots around every single day shoot like that? I don't. I don't get it. It just made no sense to me. And it's it's almost as if he was like uh, throwing games or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, and then people were making compilations of it and those missed layups. And I, at times I felt bad for him because I'm like, dude, that's got to be so frustrating. But it's not like he ever did anything to to counter that, right? Like, you know when you struggle with one thing and you switch to another thing, right? Like, uh, for example, it's like Kobe in, um, in the 2010 finals when he just could not hit a shot at all. Crash the boards. And he's like, you know what, well, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to crash the boards. And he ended up with, like, double-digit boards. Like, like I think it was it 18 sounds too high, but I know it was a lot. A lot for him, right? But Westbrook doesn't do that. He's got no other gear. It's just one gear, and if that gear doesn't work, you're screwed. You know, <laughs> that's it. That's all you're going to get from. Him. Yeah, and the issue too is, I mean, it just his value as a basketball player, right? Like, you're not gonna. If LeBron has the ball. You're not helping off of. You're, you're 
you know, there's no, you're going to help off of LeBron and you're going to leave Westbrook open because Westbrook can't shoot. So it, it just yeah. immediately hurts your spacing right there. He's not a threat there. And you are right. He is a good cutter. I don't know why he doesn't cut more. I don't know why he doesn't screen more. All the time if I were him. Yeah. Like, no one's going to keep up with you. Yeah. You might say, you're going to go to the line all the time if you do that. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, he should be setting picks. He should be cut. If he can't shoot right, even though that is crazy why he shoots so bad, but even if that is like what it is, he still has value off the ball if he's a cutter, if he's a guy who can screen, and then in transition, okay, now push it, right? Push it. Then if it's half court, okay, settle it. You give it to LeBron. But he doesn't have that any of that willingness to do it. And even defensively, which is always shocking how somebody so athletic is so bad defensively. Like, I'm just like, what Russell Westbrook's mind should be is, you know, I'm going to have like an all-NBA season on defense. And I'm just going to fit in. I'm going to set picks and I'm going to cut. And if he did that, he would be fine. Oh, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, uh, even if you just a little bit more effort and, and, and it was noticeable, you'd just be like, okay, at least he's trying to do something else. But it's, it's he's so adamant about just staying in that one mode that he's known his whole career, right? And it's so, he's his own worst enemy. He really is, right? And, I, and I, he probably has a lot of people like the yes men around him, right? Like, oh, don't worry, man, you're, you're awesome. Uh, don't, don't listen to all these people. Instead of somebody that he truly trusts comes up to him and says, hey, look, you got to change things up. You, know, you got to mix this up because this isn't working and it's getting embarrassing. And that should have been LeBron. And maybe LeBron did say that and it just didn't come out publicly. And maybe that's why they're not really talking right now, you know. Um, but I, I just don't. I don't understand because I was like, you can't, you can see what's going to happen down the road with him, you know? You're like, this is not going to end well, dude. Not at all. Um, I mean, in the end, well, like, I've talked about this with the guys from Lakers Nation. It's like, uh, in the end, um, no one's going to really remember this season he just played. It'll all be about his triple-double averages and, um, you know, how well he did in OKC. And this will just be one of those Seasons like Carl Malone when he came to the Lakers or Gary Payton, you know, they, you just won't remember it. It'll just be like whatever, because what else? What he did before was so great, it'll just overshadow it, you know. But but he could stretch this out for five years, you know, where it just gets really ugly. It's bad enough already, man. Like hopping, going from one team to I mean, I, I, that's why I said when the deal was made last year, I was like. You do not. This is the worst trade I've ever seen the team make. And this is before we played a minute. And I said, "There's a there's a reason he's played for four teams in four years. You know, there's a reason for that." And I, I just didn't understand the logic of putting putting him on the team. I was like, it just seemed like kind of uh, LeBron's buddy buddy with him, and it'll make it work. And it just so clearly didn't. And it's interesting, too, I, I think back to the Chris Haynes report when Chris is basically reported that apparently, like, hey, Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Russell, they, they got on a call, like, to make sure everything would be okay. Uh, and I'm thinking, and the way it was ordered was, like, the three superstars, and I'm like, you want to know what? This is the issue. LeBron and Anthony Davis are the superstars. <laughs> This is the yeah. issue. This is the issue. Why is Westbrook on the call with it? Like, no. Like, like this is the exactly the issue here. This is, like, the crux of the problem. Russell Westbrook thinks he's the superstar. Me, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. We're all going to be on the call. No, 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 no. You're not that guy anymore. And it's fine. And then I don't understand why it took to this point to get on a call. Like, what were you guys doing before, man? Like, what? What were you doing when it was so obvious it wasn't working? You know? Even when they played together, like, everybody says, or the people that are diehard fans and they're just trying to kind of make excuses, they're like, well, they only played together for X amount of games. I was like, yeah, did you watch those games? They weren't great together, either. It's not like they were killing people, you know? They, They couldn't make it work when the three of them were on the floor, either. So, there's no, there's no excuse here. But to, to say that they got on a call and they fixed everything, that's just total BS, man. I don't believe that for a second. I think they probably tried, but it's, it didn't fix everything. 
I mean, how are you going to fix that with somebody as stubborn as Westbrook? You know, you got to have a face to face. You have to. You got to have like an intervention with him to fix this, and I don't see that happening. When did you realize? Because I feel like there was some optimism when Russ was straight to the Lakers. When did you kind of feel that it was just like from the fans and just everybody in general? Like everybody's off the whole Russ experience. I think it was about halfway, halfway through the season when they started to like they're floating around five hundred, and everybody's just kind of like, "This is just not happening," you know. Because usually they would hit a stretch, you know, where they'd win, you know, maybe what eight eight games out of ten or something. And, and you'd be like, okay, you got some momentum here. But it just never happened. That never happened. It was like every every other night was like some debacle. And then, like, you know, they did win a big game, or maybe not a big game, but just a game in general um, that you could tell they all really, you know, were playing hard and everything. And then the next game, they would just totally crap the bed, you know? And you're like, what happened? From that game to that game, I, I don't get there's no there was no consistency whatsoever, and I'm like, dude, there's no way they're gonna all of a sudden just hit the switch. These guys are too old for that, you know. It's just it, uh, I don't know. It just it just seemed all wrong the whole time to me from from the word go. But I think I think Lakers fans finally were like done with it when they realized this guy's just not gonna change and. Uh, halfway through the season, they're like, we're kind of screwed. Or we might miss the playoffs. I think it took a long time for, for fans to be like, okay, this is the reality is we're gonna, we could miss the playoffs. Do you think Russell Westbrook still even wants to be a Laker? No, I don't think so. I think he's dying to get out of here. Because he's never taken so much crap in his whole career. Everywhere, that's why I say like small market. Because when you're in a small market and you're a superstar like that, uh, you're like God status, right? Because you're like all the only entertainment in that town, especially OKC, you know? So they put you up on a pedestal and there's no real pressure because you're just, you're the you're the face and, and, you know, you're just trying as hard as you can. But when you come to a town like this, uh, the pressure's on immediately, right? Especially when it's all hyped up and uh, just like, it is for the Lakers whenever they get anybody, you know? And some guys just kind of crumble. They just, they can't handle it. And, like, it's like when Dwight came for the first time, he couldn't handle it, you know? Uh, and it was obvious. And I remember Kobe was really on him all the time. And it, it just, he just couldn't function that way. That's why he had to eventually become, you know, secondary, third, fourth guy, you know? It just... That's the way you have, to, you have to be kind of like, you know, let the top guys take the pressure and I'll, I'll be down here and I'll just do the dirty work or whatever. And Dwight was good at that, but it, it's just, you got to have that humbling experience where, where you're like, okay, well, it doesn't work the way I used to do it, so i got to do something else. Or else I'm going to be irrele- irrelevant or just uh, pushed out of town. And nobody's going to want me because they're going to see what just happened. Do you think that there's a chance the Lakers could just cut Russell Westbrook, try to do a buyout, send him home? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, if I think it it all kind of depends on how bad it's gone with him and LeBron. You know, if LeBron's just like, I'm not playing with this guy anymore, then I think if they can't trade him, if they can't move him, which would be kind of crazy, um, maybe they do get into discussions like that. Because I... I honestly don't think Westbrook wants to come back, and I think you know LeBron does want to move on because uh, he knows it's just going to be more drama, you know, because that'll be a headline every night. Uh, so yeah, maybe I think that's that's worst case scenario, but um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If I were to give you like the three or four, maybe even five biggest reasons things didn't work out for the Lakers last year, what would those reasons be? I would say health and Westbrook would probably be tied at number one. If I were to go with uh, one at the top, it'd probably be Westbrook because just because they invested so much in it. Um, and then health, number two. I'd say number three, they really didn't have shooters, or at least consistent shooters. 
Um, and then four would be <coughs> relying on, on guys that are just on, they're, they're kind of done. Their careers are kind of done. You know, Baysmore, Trevor Ariza, um, uh, Wayne Ellington. I mean, just these are guys that just, you know, they're, they're barely hanging on, you know, or if they're, if they're on the verge of retirement. Um, what else would it say? Uh, and then maybe number number five, be like just the pressure, the pressure, the the expectations. LeBron, do you think he's going to extend with the Lakers? I think so. I, I I can't unless he just has some plan already in place in, in his mind or with with clutch to to get like some kind of exit strategy. Um, then I, I just. I don't see why he would sign. I think something came out today that he said like the only reason he would leave is to play with his kids somewhere else with Bronny. But uh, I don't know. And that's the what that's two three years away. He could easily just sign a deal for like two years. I don't know what his what it would be what the proposed deal would be, but um, I'm sure LeBron's he's he's. He's methodical when it comes to uh, uh, leaving teams and knowing his leverage and how to get out of things. You know, like he did that Cavs first time, Miami Cavs the second time, and I'm sure he'll do it here some at some point. Um, I would think if he's going to do it, you know, it would be now or uh, you know the next year or so because I don't really see this working. Um, Unless AD stays healthy, and I don't think that's going to happen either. I think AD is who he is. He just can't stay healthy. It's just his body type. It's his game and his body type put together. He's always hitting the floor. It's just, I think you can't really count on that guy for more than maybe 50 games a season, you know? And that's maybe even a stretch now. Um, So without that, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, you fight for a first-round, you know, playoff exit. Or second round, like the, the competition is too good now. I don't know. It's 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 a it's a. The funny thing is that people are like you know like get this. I think yeah, if they get Kyrie, I think a lot of things change. I think a lot of things change, especially if he's bought in and he's you know there's no off the court drama or questions about his playing status. Um, I think a lot of things change. A lot of optimism is going to be shifted. Um, but I, it, I, we don't know if that's going to happen. But if that doesn't happen, I mean, I think it's going to be dark days again. You know, it's going to be another rough year. But uh, who knows? I know a lot can change. I mean, the NBA is crazy these days. It's just the way players ask out, and it just changes, shifts the, the, you know, the, the power in the NBA. Like K, KD wanted out, and all of a sudden the Nets are nothing. You know, and it's just nuts. How good do you think LeBron still is? How good? Yes. Well, I still think he's incredible. I mean, he's still one of the best players in the NBA, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him... I think now, I think you got to put him top 10 instead of top 5. Just because I think the injuries are starting to pile up on him, too. Um, I mean, he, he takes care of his body like no other player, you know, but... He's, he's not getting any younger, and he's got more miles on him than any player in NBA history. So, um, I just—that's a—that's a tough question. I mean, I—I I, I don't think he'll ever be number one again. I think Giannis is too good. I think uh, guys are coming up. Luke is too damn good. Um, there's just guys that are just starting to pass him, you know. Um, so, but he's still a superstar, and he's still. A guy you can build a team around. So, where do you stand with AD in that regards? That's tough too. I would say he's probably. I mean, when healthy, that guy could be top five for sure. Um, but that's the thing—you have to say that every time, and you have to say when healthy. You know, and the guy's only what twenty-seven. No, that's not right, is it? Came out in two thousand twelve. I see. Twenty nine. Yeah. Twenty nine. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, when healthy, top five. When not, 
then he's top 10, maybe even top 15. I don't know. Because uh, the way his shooting did last year, too, was kind of crazy. But he shoot like 18% from three-point range. That's like, what happened there, you know? And I know he's put in work with, like, Lethal Shooter, and he's really working on his game that way, and he's working on his body. Um, but I've heard all this before, you know, and then he comes in and he gets hurt, and it just kind of goes back to the same thing again. So it's, it's tough. It's tough with AD. Where do you think people are just in general? Like, what's LeBron and Anthony Davis's approval rating right now? You know, I would say it's really tough um, for, uh, for for LeBron because I don't think everyone embraced embraced him here. Even even after he won the title, it still was kind of like you're still not one of us yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's tough for any star that comes here because there's so many stars in the past that have been so successful and kind of shaped the NBA. You know, Magic and Magic. Kareem and Kobe alone, you know, did so much, and Kobe especially, and then how, you know, the, the, the whole, how he, how he passed away, it's just so tragic, and it's just, I don't, it's just tough, man, I, I, I don't, I say this, if they go through another season like they did last, uh, last season, you're going to start seeing people say, he needs to leave, I'd say maybe even halfway through the season, like, for the, the trade deadline. There's like, you know, we had enough. Like the LeBron experience just didn't work here. Um, but I still think there's optimism, right? And and understandably so. It's LeBron James, you know? You can't really doubt him completely. Anthony Davis, what do you think his approval rating is then? Pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> So Westbrook's in the shaft, Anthony Davis is low, and LeBron's kind of just treading water. <laughs> yeah, I'd say LeBron's around like 75%, probably, and then I'd say uh, AD's probably floating around 40 to 50, right? I think there's some people that are just like, oh, he's just got to stay healthy, and others are just like, well, this is who he is. Um, and then Westbrook's like below zero. <laughs> like, below his uh, jersey number. I think everybody's not on the same page with him. They just want him gone. Do you think, and I, why do you think that Lakers fans have struggled to embrace LeBron? Because you do mention this, right? You want a championship. He's arguably, some people say he's the greatest player of all time. Uh, and before he got there, there was a period after kind of the end with Kobe. And then when LeBron got there, where the Lakers weren't really good, Lonzo Ball, Ingram, Kuzma, uh, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, that wasn't the best era in Lakers history. And LeBron comes in and he gets them a championship. So why do you think there is such a struggle to embrace him? Because besides LeBron, there hasn't been a championship in L.A. since 2010. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, uh, most of the superstars that have come through L.A. have been drafted by L.A. With the exception of Shaq, uh, I think Shaq's the only one that's really I mean, Shaq and Powell, um, the ones that they've either been traded or signed, that have just um, been totally embraced, and like you, you don't even think of the, the prior team, right? Um, but with LeBron, it's just kind of become a trend, you know. Like he just kind of hops from team to team every four years, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of hard to see where his loyalty lies, and I think. Lakers fans are all about that, you know, and they, they, I don't know if they totally believe him when he says, you know, he's all about the team and all this stuff, and, and, and that's understandable, you know, I mean, when you see, like, him say the same thing in Miami and see the same thing in Cleveland, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know so much about you, dude. I mean, that's that's how I felt about him. I, I kind of feel like he's kind of a... A hired gun. Huh? A hired gun. Yes, like a merc, like a mercenary, right? And a like, but like a tactical one, right? Like I, I was thinking the other day, um, would LeBron be a billionaire right now if he didn't leave Cleveland? Ooh, that's tough. I don't think so. Huh? I mean, well, I think he would eventually get there, but I, not as fast. 
even close. No, not as fast. I mean, he still is like the most. I mean, even before though, if you think about it, right? Like before he went to Miami, he was still like what, like the most one of the most famous athletes in America. So I mean, like. I, I think it'd be close. I, I think it'd be close. I mean, does he still get, like, the lifetime night deal or whatever? I mean, it, it'd be close. It, it'd be close. I think yeah. he gets there regardless. So he gets there regardless because he's just that so big of a name. What was that? What would you say? I said just because he's so big, I think he gets there eventually. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree. I think he gets there eventually. I just don't think... I think he's made so much money here, and there's just so much to do here um, for a guy like him. Um that it can be a distraction. And I'm not saying it's affected his play, but maybe his focus, maybe? I, I don't know. And I, I know that was the thing that a lot of people were saying before he got here, too. Like, could, is he going to be totally focused on basketball? Because there are so many opportunities. I mean, think of all the things he's done since he got here. He has that, that tequila now, right? Lost, uh, was it Lobos or something? Um, he's got, you know, the, the entertainment company, yeah, the shop started when he came here, I think. Um, just everything has been elevated to a extreme degree since he got here. And then he, now he's a billionaire while still playing, which is crazy to think of, really. Um, I don't know. I don't know. The bronze, uh, the bronze definitely a one-of-one. Yeah. You know, I- in terms of everything that's happened and, and that he's doing, but... It's just, I just think that Lakers fans just find it hard to embrace somebody who's just not kind of homegrown, you know? Um, I would say this about LeBron, right? Uh, Yes, I I do think that the reason he came to L.A. wasn't all championships. I think it was part of it. I think some of it was the weather, the lifestyle. It's an iconic franchise. There is opportunities here economically that aren't in other places. Like, I'd be... If he just wanted the history, he could have very easily gone to Boston, right? I mean, he could have done that. If he wanted the market, he could have very easily gone to New York City. (laughs) He could have very easily gone to... Or Brooklyn, right? And actually, New York... New York is a bigger market than L.A., actually. New York City is a bigger market than L.A. So he could have done that. Or if he wanted the prestige... I think he seriously considered New York. But then he just kept seeing how much of a mess... Uh, that franchise is in terms of how it's run, you know, and that was the difference, you know. Um, obviously, the you know you put Knicks Lakers together, the championships just stick out like a sore thumb, right? But I mean, New York is the mecca, right? It's, a, it's the iconic city for basketball. So I, I don't, I, I, I bet it came down to one or the other, and they're just like you know, LA is just. Look at the summers there. Look at the weather there. Look at, you know, the like you said, like the lifestyle. It's, just, it's nothing like it in this country. And, and, and in all fairness to LeBron, I would also say there's a lot of people who have his wealth and status that go to L.A. not just because of their professional reasons. They do it because of everything else that L.A. has to offer. So LeBron's not unique in that regard, right? <laughs> yeah, true. And I can't blame him. I mean, shit, I'm here. <laughs> 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 so, what would you say is the approval rating for a guy like uh, Dar Darvin Ham right now? Very high. I think maybe eighty percent. I would say. I think that kind of happens with a lot of new coaches, and you know, in big markets, because um, it's like out with the old and with the new. Uh, all optimism. He's really he's really good on uh, when he, when he speaks. He's, he. Um, you can tell he's kind of got his, his shit together, you know? And, and Vogel did too, but it's I think Vogel's voice just got tired, you know? It was just the same humdrum stuff and nothing ever changed. So, with and I liked Vogel, but uh, I think Ham is, you know, everybody's totally on board with that. I don't, I haven't heard anybody say like, oh, they should have gone this way or that way. I think Ham was the right move. Do you? Until, until he gets his first loss, and then everybody's going to pile on him. But that's coaching. Do you think Frank Vogel was fired unfairly? Because if you really do think about it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, know, I think he got the short end of the stick. Um, 
I think he was put into an uncoachable situation with a very difficult player and just a situation where he was going to be the fall guy no matter what. You know, it just wasn't fair. But then again, that's that's coaching. You know, coaches don't get fair shakes. You know, they're always the ball guy. Because you're not going to fire a player, you know. Uh, it's just, it's easy to fire that guy and throw all the bags on top of him and then move on. Start fresh, you know. And I feel for the guy. I really do. Because he's a super nice dude. Uh, he seemed to be a very good coach. When, when things were, you know, everybody's healthy and things are working. But when it kind of, when it hit the fan, like, he just didn't know what to do. And I don't know if, I don't know if anybody would have known what to do. Yeah, it's a really tough situation. You're playing with Russell Westbrook and your two best players, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, are hurt. I mean, in, in that situation, would, you could have had Red Auerbach and you're not going to do real well, right? Or Steve Kerr, like, it is what it is. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen his uh, <laughs> his face when he heard that he traded for Westbrook. I would have loved to see that. He must have just, his face must have just dropped and he probably started filling out his resume right there. <laughs> oh, so you don't think Frank was ever in on the Russ experience? No, because he's probably, I mean, he's a coach, so he sees it completely different, you know? Um, and he, he's probably, you know, dealt with Russell before or like, uh, seeing how Russ, Russ had been bounced around four teams before he got there. Like, it's, that's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah, I, I, I'm still baffled by it. I'm still baffled by that trade. I cannot believe it. I'm like, what were you thinking? Basketball sense? That It makes no sense, basketball-wise. No sense. So why is it Rob Palinka called to the fire in this regard? Because he made the trade. Oh, he will be. He will. If, it, if this season goes uh, the way it might, um, he's gone, I think. I think he, he can't dodge that bullet. He dodged this one by throwing Vogel under the bus. He had a fall guy. He doesn't have one now. Because he hired a first-time head coach, right? Um. Uh, and God knows if they're going to be able to trade for anybody. And they've got two superstars that one is 20 years in and the other one just can't stay healthy. Uh, it, it's, I don't know how you give him a pass after this. I mean, the, the, the season after the bubble, was so, it was just unprecedented because it was, what, it was like a month between seasons? Um, you give him a pass there because I thought all the moves he made was smart moves. Schroeder, uh, Harold, Gasol, I thought that all made sense. All of it. But it just didn't work because they couldn't stay healthy. Uh, so I gave him a pass. But the last season, I don't think there's a pass for that. But, he, but Vogel took, took the bullet, you know. So this season, if it happens again, I think he's done. I think Jeannie Buss is just like, okay, you're out. Why does Frank get, the, get fired but uh, Polinka gets to survive? Because that's the easy way to go. That's the easy way to go. Like, it's... If you shake everything up, you know, you make people nervous. You make people like LeBron nervous, you know? Because cause if anything, Palenka be, has been completely complicit with, with Clutch coming in and doing whatever the hell they want, right? What other GM is going to do that? You know? I don't, I've never seen an agency take over a team like this before. I have heard that the Knicks were like that with with some company. Well, uh, can't remember who it was. Real World West? Um, yeah, but it was one of the, the big agencies. It was like they were just signing the same guys from the, from the big, this one agency. Just, I mean, same thing as what's going on with Clutch, but, um, yeah, I honestly, I, I think his... I think he's probably more nervous than anybody right now because he knows that the moves he makes right now could be um, could be it for him. How it how it turns out a year from now. How do you think fans feel about the influence Clutch seems to have in it with the Lakers? Conflicted, probably. I would I would say um, I, I would say they do have too much power. 
I mean, look at even the guys that they brought in this year. I think Lonnie Walker and, and Troy Brown are both clutch, I think. Um, it's just like, really? <laughs> Why do they have so much control? And obviously LeBron's got a lot to do with that, you know? Um, I think it's I know I think it's kind of wrong. I think it's a little too much, um, and and they're going to pay for it, right? Because if you think, I mean, the hardest part is when you look back. Say when this LeBron experience is over. If you look back, was it a success? Was that one title in a bubble a success? For, for all the things that they did, kind of hard, right? I feel like you still kind of have to say it was a success because they got at least one chip. I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's a, it's it's like one season, and all the rest were pretty awful. Unless this year, you know, they blow up, but I don't know if that's gonna happen. It's just tough. It's just it's a weird situation because I think the one thing about the Lakers is when they're good, they're consistently good, right? Alex saw Kobe Bryant. I mean, they last what about five years of dominance, maybe. Uh, Magic Kareem, they had a whole decade, you know. Um, Kobe Shaq. Now you got this, huh? I said Kobe Shaq too. That's another one. Yeah, Kobe Shaq. Um, and now you got this. It was like it's like one high season, and all the rest are just marked by injuries. Why do you think that Jeannie Buss, because, I mean, at the end of the day, she's the owner. She has final say with all this stuff. Why has she seceded control to Clutch, you think? I think uh, she was, somebody convinced her that it was the right way to go. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, it might even have been Kobe. Kobe might have been like, hey, look, you got to do this. You know, because I know she always looked to him for advice. Um, and Kobe was a huge Palenka guy. So... That could have been the influence there. Um, and now she's just starting to see, like, well, I gave up so much control or, I, I, you know, so much leeway to this, this one agency and it's not really paying off now. She's got to be more conflicted than most, you know? I, I kind of feel for her because she's stuck in another situation where it's she's probably going to be forced into a, uh, a decision at some point you know, within the next year or so to make a move or, or, or not, you know. and It's a tough time. It's a really weird time for the Lakers. Do you think, what do you think Darvin Ham brings, will bring as a head coach that Frank Vogel didn't? Maybe accountability. I'd say one thing about Vogel that always kind of annoyed me a little bit is he, he would always make excuses for guys. Or he would never criticize anybody publicly, you know. And I just don't, I don't know if that, that works for a long time, you know. I think players should just be like, well, well, he's not going to throw me under the bus. Or, or he's not going to say anything bad about me. And he's kind of, you know, at times it would seem like he's a little bit of a pushover. Like I said, I liked Frank Vogel because I think he was generally a good guy. But I just, I think that was one... Um, of his bad traits is he just he never criticized guys even though it was obvious that these guys needed to be criticized or at least uh, made accountable you know like Westbrook I want to go to this now because I think this is actually pretty interesting Uh, if we're talking about who's more popular in LA all time Lakers Magic or Kobe Uh, say, that, say that again? Who's oh, more popular? That's tough. Like, I would say... Who has the pulse of the probably, people? Probably Kobe. But I don't know, because, you know, it's easy for me to say that, because I lived through Kobe's era, right? I only caught the tail end of Magic's time and the showtime, and I was too young to really comprehend anything, you know? Um I'd say that the Magic definitely made the Lakers into what they are now, you know, uh, in terms of winning culture, and that's what you should expect, and team basketball. But Kobe really inspired people, and that's something that's not easy to do. 
not saying Magic didn't, but Kobe inspired people in a different way. I mean, he inspired people that don't, don't even play basketball. You know what I mean? Um, and that made him a global kind of icon. So that changes things because he branched out way, way, way further than, than Magic could. You know, even though Magic was incredibly influential, as, even as a businessman, um, but Kobe just had was just different. He was just different. How do you think Kobe was able to inspire people? How? Uh, just with his mentality. I think his mentality was uh, something you can carry over into anything. Um, anything that you want to accomplish. I mean, he inspired me. I mean, when I was um, growing up, when Kobe first came to, to the Lakers, I couldn't stand it. I could not stand it. Because I was a huge uh, Nick Van Exel guy. Uh, he was my favorite player at the time. They get this kind of cocky kid coming in who thinks he's Michael Jordan, and I just could not stand it because he was so cocky, <laughs> and I don't like cocky people, you know. And uh, he won me over, like just gradually won me over because I just saw he transformed multiple times over the course of his career, you know. And then uh, with his, his his whole you know mob of mentalities. Uh, stuff I, I kind of it inspired me I was like I, that's how I want to go that's that's how I wanted to do things you know and that's why I became a writer and I didn't even think I could write until I gave it a shot you know um, but I think he's done that to a lot of people in a lot of different areas and that's something that you just don't see very often when did you realize that you were becoming a Kobe fan during that time? That's a good question. Um, I would say, I would say because the 2000 Western Conference Finals, that alley-oop to Shaq, that's my favorite Lakers moment of all time because it's before they won championships. It's It's... It's like that, once that happened, it's like everything came together and just turned into a dynasty, <clears throat> in my opinion. And Kobe was kind of the catalyst of that, even though Shaq got all the MVPs and, and the glory, really. Um, and then Kobe reinvented himself after Shaq. And I'd say around that time when Kobe reinvented himself, because it was really depressing when Shaq got traded. I mean, every Lakers fan was just like, what the hell are we doing? You know, why would you give up this guy? And then Kobe got a lot of crap for it. You know, everybody thinking, like, he's just all about himself and everything. But then you saw the reasoning and, and then Kobe kind of transforming that team. And Powell coming in. That's That was outside of the uh, 96, 97 or 97, 98 Lakers, uh, that's when I had the most fun watching the team, was when uh, when Kobe just started kind of forming his his own his own Lakers. You know, it was his Lakers at that point. Uh, you know, Lamar, Jordan Farmer, like Sasha Vujicic, all those guys, all those role players that just fit in perfectly in their spots, you know, and were able to hang with Kobe and get his respect. Uh, and then Powell, how being how Pow is and, and and being able to ride alongside him, I thought I thought that was amazing. I just really enjoyed watching those guys. Do you think Kobe gets a little disrespected when it comes to the credit people get for that dynasty? Because obviously at that point Shaquille O'Neal's probably you know the best player in the NBA, the most dominant force ever. But I feel like people kind of look at Kobe like, oh, he was just a Robin. Like Kobe was just along for the ride. Yeah, I mean Kobe gets a lot. Uh, short change for a lot of things during his career. I mean, even the GOAT discussion, I, I still think no one touches Jordan. But uh, the guy that was closest to Jordan was Kobe. And Kobe was one title short of Jordan um, and just had the same kind of mentality, right? Uh, but gets no mention in the GOAT debate at all. Now it's just Jordan... LeBron, and I don't really see that argument as much as others do, but I think it's kind of a generational thing, 
because I, I grew up a massive Jordan fan and he got me into basketball initially. Um, that's why, another reason why I didn't like Kobe at first. <laughs> like, this guy's pretending so hard to beat Jordan. It pissed me off. But uh, then I started to see, like, yeah, he is the next the next guy. So I remember I had a debate with my best friend at the time, who's going to be the next guy, because we, you know, it, it killed us when Jordan retired. Um, we're like, so who's the next guy? It was a big, big, like, uh, discussion topic. It's probably, like, close to the GOAT debate back then. It was like, who's going to be the next guy? Like, who's going to be the heir apparent, right? And I picked Vince Carter. <laughs> And, and he picked Kobe. And I was like, yeah, you're out of your mind. And now I'm like, damn it. He was right the whole time. I don't know why the hell I picked Vince Carter. Well, I was convinced Vince was going to be the next guy. That's funny. What was it like to watch Kobe in those runs in the mid, mid-2000s mid when he scored 60? And there's the, the famous story where he scores like 60 points in three quarters. And you're like, you know what, I'll get it back next game. And then the next game he like scores 81 against oh. Toronto. He was just a man possessed. I mean, I couldn't. I, it's one of those things where you look at a guy and you're just like, "Wow, this is this is like the top of his game." And then he takes it to another level and another level, and, and you're like, "Where's the end to it?" You know, like honestly, I, I after '81, I was like, "This guy could score 100. He could score 100 in the game in today's NBA." I well, you know, back then today's NBA, but um, I. That was just remarkable. I mean, just just the the sheer determination was what was more impressive than anything. You know, he was just determined to do whatever. Incredible. I mean, I still can't believe it. I mean, I, I remember uh, coming home and I just caught the tail end at eighty one, and I was like, "This is not real. This is not real." Like it just doesn't. It didn't seem to make any sense because like it was just. I think Jordan's top was 69, I think. Uh, and then 63 against Boston in the playoffs was just incredible. But just it just didn't seem possible. He was doing things that were impossible. That's the crazy thing about Kobe. He was just, and, he, and he did it multiple times. Even that last game, 60 points. Like, I know that there was just rolling picks the whole time, and it was feed Kobe as much as possible, but I was there. I, I saw it, and I remember in the press box, we were all making bets. Like, okay, what's what's going to be his point total? And I picked 35. And, <laughs> and most people were picking just 30. Right? Because Kobe really struggled to, you know, stay on the court for very long, because he was just got gassed, you know? And um, I remember... Uh, we just start start seeing him hit jumper after jumper because I remember the first 10, 15 minutes were pretty rough. I think he missed like seven straight shots or something, and everybody's like, "Oh no, this this is not going to end well." <laughs> and then he just caught fire, and it was just like boom, 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 and we're just like, "Oh my god!" Because like, in press box, like the the uh, the rules are, I mean, it's like the unspoken rules, right? You don't, you don't cheer, you don't react. You just kind of do your job, you know? And so it's always quiet. There's always like a pin drop unless you're having conversations with the guys, which kind of always happened. But, uh, it was, it was like we were all fans for a night. It was crazy. I'd never seen anything like that before. Everyone was cheering every bucket. And I remember we all kept looking at each other like, when is he going to stop? When is he going to stop? Like just once he hit forty, I was like, "There's no way he's scoring more than five more points." There's just no way. Twenty points later, we're just like, "Holy shit!" It's the most impressive thing I've ever seen live, ever. And the whole event from start to finish was incredible. It was like the Super Bowl, or what I would imagine the Super Bowl would be. I've never been to one or covered one, but um, like behind the scenes, it was just packed, just. You could barely move. You saw uh, former players walking around everywhere. It was just insane. I remember I have footage of it where I'm standing and they kind of, kind of roped off the uh, the back to where they walk into to the locker room. And Kobe comes in and there's literally like four cameras around him 
and all of us on the sides with our phones up like that. And I'm like, this is wild. I'd never seen it because usually that area, there's nobody there. Usually there's no one there. Players just come walk in and it's kind of casual thing, you know. Um, but it was just roped off and it's just so much media. I can't remember, what was the, I think they had like 300 credentials that day or something, some insane number, right? Uh, that, was, uh, that was wild. That was wild. We'll never forget that as long as I live. So my last question for you is this. So you mentioned you were a big Michael Jordan fan. You can't understand the LeBron-MJ debate. Lay out your case for MJ over LeBron. Uh, I think it comes down to uh, Jordan is a killer. Like, he would just rip your throat out. And you you never doubted his ability to win the game. Um, if he had to do it by himself, right? Or even as a team. Like, he just... I, I just, even with, with Kobe sometimes would frustrate me when he would take too many shots, right? Or like, you know, three-on-one kind of shots. Um, Jordan was a little bit smarter that way. The shot selection wasn't as wild. But um, I just, I've never seen anybody like Jordan before. He, the, I've never seen somebody with the same effort on both ends of the floor, for one. And being just as good as he was offensively as he was was defensively, that tripped me out because I couldn't believe the amount of effort you have to have to do that, right? And energy, um, and you just I just don't see that from LeBron. I don't see that killer instinct. I don't see that effort on both sides. It's like LeBron takes plays off, and he and he takes he doesn't play defense even half as much anymore. And I'm just like, dude, what? You really want to win six? Do you really want to win six? You know, to at least tie him. Because um, I think in LeBron's mind, he's already passed Jordan. I mean, he even said after he, he beat the the Warriors that year, the seven seventy three and nine, um, that he thinks he's a go. And I was like, anybody that has to that says that they're the go, dubs themselves a go. Some off. Some off. You should never have to say that. You know. It's like an insecurity thing with him. Uh, you never heard Jordan say that. You never heard Magic say that. Kobe say that. Kareem. None of them. None of them ever said that. Even Jordan, when he asked, was asked about it. He said, like, he's disrespectful to the people who came before him. You know, and I, I understand that. But LeBron's just like in his own little world. I, I, don't, I never... It's just hard for me to... Seeing... Jordan's whole career and then you know going through Kobe's and then going to LeBron it's just you see those differences and it's he doesn't have that that thing you know like I, I've, I've never been inspired by something that, that LeBron has done I guess it, it might boil down to that I don't know but it is a personal choice it's not I'm not saying that that's um, totally right I just think you know, Jordan going to six fouls and fouls, winning all six. Um, just never really having an equal during his whole career um, until Kobe, but Kobe was so young. Like, it, it just, I would have loved to see Kobe and Jordan go at it in their primes. That would have been amazing. But I, I'd still, it's just, I just think it heavily tips in MJ's favor just because the, the effort on both ends and the, the killer instinct, I think it's just, I've never seen anything like it. Did you, uh, quickly, I do want to ask you this, right, because you're a big Jordan guy. I don't know if you know who Nick Wright is, but uh, he had a... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so he broke Twitter, like, on Sunday when he said that uh, Michael was third, a third. Jordan third? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't put too much stock in Nick Wright. Those guys, because they have to come up with crazy hot takes every single day. So it's, most of the time, they're just doing it to get a rise out of people. And he's the worst, man. <laughs> he's mm. one of the worst. I remember the, the moment that I lost respect for him was um, he wore a LeBron shirt while he was covering the NBA Finals. And I'm like, that is, that is like the number one thing that you don't do as a reporter. You never have a rooting interest. You're there to report. 
You're there to cover the game, tell people what happened, you know, document the sound bites here and there, and the quotes, not to root for who you want to win. Openly with a friggin' shirt, says LeBron James. I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, I just lost all respect for him. And I was like, dude, I can't take you seriously. That's amazing. Ryan, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. No problem. Anytime. And once again, I want to thank Ryan for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 463rd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. She said she drew-